Welcome back for Psalm 2. This is week one, day two of our look through the first 25 Psalms together. And as we looked at Psalm 2, as we go through the entire book of Psalms, you're going to see that many of them have a hard edge to them. Not all the Psalms are the sheep by the still water in Psalm 23. And even in Psalm 23, you have the valley of the shadow of death. There's a hard edge to many of the Psalms. Let me read for you Psalm 2, verses 1 to 10, and I think you'll hear it. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say. Let us throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and he terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Psalm 2 uh, this psalm that has this hard edge to it is quoted or alluded to in the New Testament at least 17 times, more than any other psalm. Many of the psalms look prophetically ahead to the life of Jesus, and Psalm 2 is one of those psalms. The early Christians knew the book of Psalms well. Many of them had memorized it in their rabbinical schools, in their Jewish boy schools. So they immediately recognized Jesus when they read through the book of Psalms. And they were inspired by the Spirit to write about it in the New Testament. Here's just a few places we see Psalm 2 in the New Testament. When Peter and John were released from prison in the book of Acts, they said in their prayer, God, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Those words we just read from Psalm 2. Then in verse 27 of Acts chapter 4, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. So they recognize Jesus is the anointed one that's being talked about here in Psalm 2. And then that phrase, you are my son, those were words that were heard at Jesus' baptism as Jesus is coming up out of the water. You are my son. Acts 13, 32 and 33, he has fulfilled for us their children by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. So they recognized these words as referring to Jesus. And Hebrews 1, 5 says, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. The book of Revelation points to another picture from this Psalm, the picture of one who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And knows that that points to Jesus. Revelation 12, 5. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. So you hear this psalm. You see the strength of God in this. And you're reading the truth about Jesus. In many ways, Psalm 1 tells us the purpose of the book. The purpose is that God wants to give his blessings into your life. And Psalm 2 gives us the message of the book. And the message throughout the book of Psalms, we're going to see this again and again and again, is God is greater. God is greater. The nations act and feel and look as if they are the greatest thing. But they pale 
in comparison to the greatness of God. God laughs that they would think that they are the greatest thing. Just like you would laugh at a two-year-old thinking that they could win a a fight against a, a parent. It's just humorous and God laughs. But if you feel like this is only about the nations, then you're missing the point. It's about you and me because we sometimes conspire and plot in vain to get our way instead of God's way. We sometimes take our stand against Jesus and we sometimes want to break our chains and live like we want. And this is a psalm that's about the foolishness of, of conspiring against, of standing against, of, of fighting against the one who is not only all-powerful but all-loving. This is a psalm that reminds us of both God's love and God's power. And it's summed up in verse 11. Verse 11 says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. You serve him with fear and you rejoice with trembling. There's this balance, the balance of the love and the power of God. You could call it awe. It is the awesome grace of God and the awful wrath of God that are right alongside of each other. And in order to understand who God really is, you have to understand both. If all I have is love and understanding of God's love, I can easily see God as weak. But if all I have is power and understanding of God's immense power, I can see God as cold and distant. God is love, but in his love, he reacts to sin in wrath. God in this psalm is pictured as someone who is angry at the nations for wanting their own way. Well, of course he is, because they're hurting not only themselves, but those that they're leading in the wrong way. Now, these nations, they're raging against God because they're not getting their way. You ever been there? Know somebody who's there? Their heart is raging. Your heart is raging against God because you're not getting your way. The circumstances aren't turning out like you wanted them to turn out. Your life is not turning out as you wanted it to turn out. And whether you've admitted it to yourself or not, or that friend of yours has admitted it to themselves or not, inside they're raging against God. For all of us who find ourselves in that place, and all of us do at some point, there's an invitation for us in verse 12. Verse 12 says this, Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. I love that picture. It's God's invitation to you today. Kiss the son. Now, there's all kinds of kisses. You kiss your girlfriend or your boyfriend. You kiss your husband or your wife. You kiss your grandmother. There's all kinds of kisses. But this phrase, kiss the son, we've just read about the one who is the ruler of all, the one who's the king. You kiss the ring of a ruler to recognize the power of that ruler and to proclaim your allegiance, your commitment to that ruler. You kiss the ring of a ruler to proclaim your willing, even loving submission to that ruler. And so the invitation here is kiss the son, but you better know who you're kissing. Not Jesus meek and mild, Jesus with an iron scepter, the power of God. That's God's invitation to you today. Kiss the Son. So in a spirit of prayer right now, would you just say this to Jesus? Jesus, I I just visualize myself right now. You are the ruler. You have a a kind of power that I, I can't even conceive. And so I visualize myself right now bowing my knee before you and taking that ring of power and kissing you 
kissing the sun, recognizing your power, submitting to your power. But I don't do it in fear. I do it in love. You are a God to be feared, but you're also a God to be loved. And I choose to express that love to you right now. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross that opened the way for me to bow my knee before you in this moment and say, you are my Lord. You are my Lord. In your name, I proclaim this. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to look together at Psalm 3 at how David found God's strength when he was at his lowest.